This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that was my there we go. So who she does it again. Welcome back to another episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Lure. I'm your producer, Britton Ransford, and we are back from a two-week hiatus. We uh, had some shows, we had a, some vacations, and uh, you know, everyone just needs a break every once in a while. Yep, every once in a while. <laughs> we uh, we got done with show season. Um, Richie went to a couple shows. Yeah. Shows were kind of different this year. They are very different this year. I was able to go to the Central Oregon Sportsman Show and the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show. Both in, um, you know, were a little different. <laughs> Everybody yeah. had to wear masks and temperature checks. And... Yeah, just you know the way that they had people come in the door was a little different. It, it timed entry, um, but you know, I'm really happy that y'all came out to see us at the Sportsman Shows. We we had a really good two shows um you know even even though the attendance was down it was great to see people that we've seen before and our viewers and so yeah um, just a little bit of normal a little bit a little bit it's just nice to do something that's normal even though you know with the maths and everything didn't seem like it but (laughs) it was great well i I, i'll tell you you know i kind of sum it up you know i i heard people grumbling and I, i you know i walk into the bathroom to go wash my hands and there's these two kids in there and, and you know they're like 18 19 years old right. and, and they're just complaining jeez this is nothing compared to what it used to be you right. know blah blah it's just the typical you know just sure. oh this you know you can't get a beer you can't do this you can't do that and and i looked at him i said do you guys realize that that this is the only large gathering that's happened in over a year in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. And and bottom line is, is you're able to come here and see most of what you usually see. Yeah, things are different. Right. Guess what? Things have been different for over a year and a half. That's just the way things are going to be. So you might as well go enjoy what's there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one kid goes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that that's, that's the whole thing is, yes, it was very different. But it was it was very nice, you know, because we were able to gather, we were able to show product, we were able to, you know, converse with people and and, you know, get back to closer to normal than what we've been in a year and a half. So it it was a great deal. The Lachlan's did a great job. Yeah, they did. Two shows to the public and. Sure. I just feel, you know, pretty grateful, actually, that we were able to do it. I, I was, too. You look three months ago, there was no way in hell that yeah. Yeah, was that going to happen. And it was pretty no. impressive they pulled it off. And for what it was, you know, it was great. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was just like you said, just a, a, it was better than what we've had. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think it actually helped. It'll help a lot more things open up because there oh, was sure. a way to get it done safely. And that's kind of how that happened. Yep. No, I, I was I, I was real pleased that they were they were able to do that. Now, if you ever tell Billy that, I'll lie. But <laughs> we, we had the, one of the things I noticed at the show out of the Max Lure booth is we had a lot of people coming up and saying, "How do I fish for this certain species?" Because we had so many new 
uh, anglers that came in yeah, you know, you're during right. the COVID pandemic. And so that was really cool to get a lot of people in the booth asking, you know, I'm just getting into kokanee fishing, how to do it. And so the enthusiasm for the fishing in general was very encouraging. That's it, awesome. Oh, it really was. It really you know, it, it it was like Britton said. It was it was really neat to see, you know, some of those numbers kind of translated. You know, they sold over eleven million more fishing licenses across the United <laughs> States this last year. Isn't that crazy. And you know, a lot of that translated. Yet a lot of new people come to the show asking how to, you know, do something a little bit different. So I think the whole idea that people are thinking about being a little more self-sufficient something we take for granted things that we do all the time hunting yeah. fish and yeah and provide you know i never worried you know even a little bit about food issues because my freezer's full yeah go a whole year easy yeah. and i think people are like huh maybe those hunters and fishermen kind of have it figured out and so it's like they're trying to figure it out and in a way it's really good for our sport it is and you know just being able to because it's one of the safest activities you can do, you know, in a post-pandemic world. Yeah. Where, you know, a lot of these people probably never went out camping and they never went out and, you know, threw a bobber out and fished with the kids and stuff. And so they created, you know, a whole new activity and family activity and all sorts of stuff. So sure, it's good. I think it's awesome. Oh, it, kind yeah. of what our country was founded on, really. People yeah, oh, who, absolutely. Who did did things for themselves in the outdoors and, and uh, I think a kind of a rediscovery in a way. It's That's a good right. thing. Hunter gather a grog. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, have you done much fishing recently? Well, I I got to finally go out. Yeah, and uh, my folks were up here for a little visit. It's really nice. He never invited me, but it was no big deal. Here we so. go. Yeah. <laughs> folks were up here for a little visit, and we uh, weren't going to fish at all just because of the wind forecast. You know, the last few days. Of course, I know you were gone in some oh, warm climate, oh, yeah. but we'll get to that in a few minutes, probably. <laughs> but the, sunburnt. Yeah, the the, uh, the the wind forecast was not good the last few days, and and I watched the weather really close and saw a window for about six hours. And I told Dad, I go, "You want to fish? Because I think if there's any fishing to be done the next four days, it's in these six hours." So we we went up and put in at banks and took me a little while to kind of figure out where the fish are right now you know this first mm-hmm. time i've really been out much and but we got it we got a couple fish and some perch cool and it was a lot of fun even though and then then you could and bobby knows this he's been with me before you watch the wall of waves come <laughs> from come, south on banks like okay it's time coming to up lake yeah. <laughs> yep and that's what happens like okay we're out nice i uh just got back from two weeks in Florida. Yeah, here it comes. It was uh, very rough. You know, it was 80, 85 degrees. And, you know, I'd walk from the pool down to the dock. And, you know, <laughs> it was rough, Bobby. Yeah, yeah, go, I, go, yeah I know. Go check the lines. Here and, we go. Know, something had came by and just stripped me clean. So I'd rebate, throw it back out, go get back in the pool. <laughs> and, uh, God. And, you know, try not to snag the sea manatees as they, you know, the sea cows as they, sea cows. they swam by. <laughs> And, uh, I caught some. Uh, I never caught one of those. <laughs> caught a bunch of catfish. Caught some species. I think it was a grass carp. We caught a bunch of those and uh, some snook. The snook are so hard to catch. They're smart fish. Yeah. And they're not. I didn't. You know. Don't tell anyone I caught the snook because you can't catch snook right now. I did release all the snook, but uh, 
it was we didn't get any of the crevel that came through i guess it'd be it's super cool when they come in because they boil up the water and you know they go crazy but jack jacks jacks are, are absolutely psychotic they 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 push feed up into shallows or they push feed from outside in and it's just a big giant feeding frenzy yeah and they go nuts and you, you could throw a bear hook in and catch fish literally yeah well i like i like those little blue runners Oh yeah, because they're not, and they don't—they get okay size, but you, even a small one will just rip you. And I was uh-huh. surprised you didn't get those. And then I was thinking uh, the uh, mangrove snapper. Mangrove snapper. How yeah. come you didn't get any of those? I guess it was just a weird—you know—the tides were a little weird at the time I was down there. I'm not sure. I'm not super familiar with it all. Yeah. Um, it—it was—I I fished a lot during night, so there, uh, we had lights on the dock and uh, or you know underneath the dock, and so I basically just casted sonic bait fish and cripplers the entire Speckle time trout no specs nothing it was uh it was a weird you know it, it was unusually slow i guess yeah those speckled trout usually at, at night under those lights and all along that southern coast those are they come right in that's a they, they must they, they must not have had a lot of fish in yeah we were, i know they've had cooler weather time of year maybe there. right we I, were, yeah. I don't know the details yeah we were off to like a dead end of the canal so oh. that could have had something to do with it but um yeah, compared to the couple weeks before, the neighbors and everyone, you know, said it was just a lot slower. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's just fun to be out there, you know, 75 degrees at the middle of the night. You know, casting. The, the crazy thing about, you know, and I've only experienced this really once when I went down there, but you get a variety of fish, and I'm just shocked by the brilliant colors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Gosh, yeah. I mean, the, you know, fish down in the south like that are just so gorgeous. So, oh, yeah. Man. No, well, that, that, and you never know what you're going to catch. You never know what you're going to catch. Oh, man. That's the the first time I took Kimberly down there, I was telling Britton about it. We went out offshore on the Gulf side and uh, went out on a wreck. And, you know, you're, you're, the stuff offshore, all, you know, as far as 20 miles out into the Gulf, it's very shallow 12, 14, 16 Mm -hmm. feet deep, you know. It's just not very deep. And as you're out there cruising along and you're getting close to a wreck, you know, you're going slow and you've got fish going underneath the boat and she goes, what, what's that? What's that? What's that? You know, and you've yeah. got different species, oh, know. you know, cobia, uh, snappers, you know, everything. All kinds of snappers. Yeah. There's like a whole bunch of different Oh yeah. Kinds. I mean, and you never know what, you know, what's out there. So it's colors or something. Yeah. It, it, it's fun. Well, that's cool. Yeah, Did you was, have fun? I had a lot of fun. It was crazy, crazy windy. It sounds like it was windy up here too, but yeah. It was insanely windy the first like four or five days there, so we didn't get to go offshore. Those are the days we were planning right. on going offshore, so we just kind of hung. You know, I'm not much of a tourist, so relaxed and, and <laughs> golfed a little bit. That's you did I, eat a lot of fish, though. I ate you? a lot of fish. I there enjoyed the hell out of grouper. Yeah. I ate a lot of mahi mahi, um, yeah, clams, and oh, you know, a ton fun. of scallops. We made scallops like every night. Oh, that's uh, so much candy. fun being down there doing all that. <laughs> I love that. I just love it. We we don't have many of those up here, so no. <laughs> <laughs> No, we don't have those. No. Can't find those. In, well, maybe you can find them in Sprague Lake or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can find about anything in Sprague Apparently, Lake. Apparently, I, I mean, I don't know. I just saw it on social media. Yeah, exactly. We, uh, yeah, it was it was extremely relaxing, much needed, refreshed, ready to roll. And uh, today, we're actually going to talk about uh, turkey hunting, which opens oh, yeah. in Oregon and Washington uh, this weekend, the 15th, yep. you said? Yeah, and, the 15th. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we're going to get you a little primed up for that. We kind of give you a little bit of a, a preview of it a few weeks right. ago. And so I will let Richie just kind of take it away. Well, I just finished writing a little article in our 
quarterly newsletter, the Northwest Lens, and told a little story about when, you know, Tyler and Michelle, but, you know, basically when Michelle came down with me and, and actually missed a bird, but it kind of got me excited about going and some of the things that we normally do and just thinking about some of the techniques and it's, uh, I don't know, Bobby, have you ever called a man? Have you done much of that or have you just kind just, of just, uh, run a, a gun? Little, just a little bit. I mean, it, it, uh, yeah. you know, it, I told you that the story that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, where my, the first bird I shot, well, I was really wound up. So I took the boys out, uh, in the same area. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I think I called 18 different birds that we tried to get birds in right. and I could get them to within 60 yards, 70 yards, you know, just borderline, just out of right. range. And and they would hold up and stop, and you know me, uh, no patience no whatsoever, patience. no, yeah. and and it, it, but it was great because I would call birds from two, three, four hundred yards away, come. and and they'd come and they'd come, but then they they'd hold up, and just yeah. not. You know, and I could never figure it out. And of course, you know, by that time the season's over with, and and you know you're on to something else. But yeah, calling them is it's a lot of fun. It's yeah, very enjoyable. It is, and and one of the things you know later on in the season, and I don't know when you win exactly, but if they get called out a lot, they get a little bit call shy, you know, and they right. won't come in as well. But I kind of think of turkey hunting a lot like archery elk hunting sure sure and i mean there's a lot of similarities and then you think oh yeah if you've never hunted you're like oh yeah right turkey hunting is like oh no, it but, is but actually it is mm-hmm. they're vocal yep uh they're they're aggressive you know so yep. they're trying to attract mates and they're trying to exert dominance and all the things that elk do and if you're in the right place, you can call them to you because they're yeah. coming to see yeah, what's going absolutely. on. So there's a lot of similarities in that in that regard. And the way you hunt them, you know, as far as technique goes, is real similar too. Um, just like with elk, if you know places that elk go a lot, yeah. Um, you know, with elk, it's terrain kind of driven, and it's uh, bedding areas, foraging areas, it's travel routes. Well, turkey's kind of the same way. The the only difference is they're looking for meadows, strutting zones, those kinds of places that they use often. And um, so come out of a roost tree and then they go strut in a zone trying to attract attract a mate. Sure. And so it, it, it can be a lot of fun. And once you sort of figure out your terrain, you know, where those places are, or you hear birds, if you can get to those places, get yourself set up and then call. And especially if you have a little decoy or if you can use a rise a little bit, you know, so sure. that there's... It's still, the bird's got to come, come, come to see where the heck things are happening. If you're in a big meadow and it's really wide open and you're it's on tough. the other side, it's a lot harder. And that <laughs> might be what you experienced. I, I did a, a few of those birds were, were that way. Yeah. So. And dad and I had one a few years ago was that way. He came, same deal, came from several hundred yards away, but it was wide open all the way to us. And he got within like 60, 70 yards and yeah. just like, mm, yeah, I think I'll just eat right along this edge and go out. <laughs> but the, yeah. the places I've had the best success is where I had a kind of a little bit of a rolling meadow and I could sit up on the edge so that and any bird that came had to continue to get closer to me to get over the rise to see where, where it was. And that right. got him within shotgun range. Sure. A real key with uh, turkey hunting in my experience, hunting them in timber. You know, again, this is about hunting turkeys here in the in the western states. 
<clears throat> compared to the way you, you know yeah. do it back east um birds are real different i think in the way that they respond when they're up in the timber mm-hmm. and they use they do use meadows they do run ridge lines those kinds of things places that they they like to go but uh, the key is to be out there in the dark yeah you need to be there when the tweety birds and the insects and things are just starting to buzz at that first glow of light. You need to be where you think you're going to get into birds. And, and especially if you could put one to bed. In other words, yeah. they go to, you know, they, they go, go to roost. roost and, yeah. If you knew where one went to roost or you could find roost trees and then you can be near there the next morning in the dark, set up, and then just really quietly, you know, a few hen calls, you, you're likely to get get them to come in absolutely and, and we've you know over the years now we've shot quite a few turkeys um it's not we haven't always gotten you know the biggest bird out there but you can shoot sure you can shoot jakes till the days you know till the cows came home I mean, yeah just not a problem really I and mean, then get them jakes to come in getting bigger birds is harder but we shot a lot of really nice birds as well using just some of the same techniques and you just get to those places, get set up, and call them in. One of the things I like to use is a little um, foldable uh, fence, so camo fence. Mm-hmm. It just folds up in a little ball, and then you can just undo it, and it's got little stakes, and you put it out in front of you, and then you just set behind it. gives you some instant cover. Sure. Lean up against a tree, and, and then you call birds. And it's kind of fun because, you know, if you don't have success with one, you said you called in a bunch. Oh, yeah. And you just move to another spot and try calling again, you know, and that's yeah, kind yeah. of fun. If there's a lot of gobblers in the woods, you can move around. So it makes sure. It, makes it fun. And, of course, that's when I did this, you know, this was like uh, 17 years ago. So, oh. <laughs> you know, this is prior to all the neat stuff we've got today. Yeah. You know, stuff that would definitely have helped me at that yeah. time. But, and, of course... I had no clue what I was doing, so. Well, it's uh, that's part of the problem. It's really new. I mean, if you stop and think about it, for those of us here in the West, yeah, you know, turkeys have been. They were introduced in um, Oregon in the early 1960s, mm-hmm. and oh, wow. and they, uh, well, actually before that, but they didn't do very well. So the real, when they really began to take on, was really in the 1960s, and I would say probably for, gosh. Probably a couple decades after that, I bet there was just a handful of hunters, you know. Sure, sure. So it's really in the last, you know, couple decades that they've become more popular. Do you know when they did they they had to have planted them out here? Yeah, so I would say it's all kind of the same same time, time frame. Yeah, the '60s, early '60s for Oregon, and I'm guessing right. Also '60s here in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, it's really weird because growing up up here in north central Washington originally, there was no turkeys around right. here ever. And now all of a sudden, you know, we've got uh, turkeys all over up here. We do. You know. And, and they're increasing all the time. Yeah. Northeast Washington has a great population of them. Anything, you know, kind of north of Spokane towards Colville. And sure. Even over into the Okanagan, there's a lot of birds. And here in, in Chelan County, we're getting lots of birds as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's areas, like I said, growing up here, we never had turkeys. And all right. of a sudden, you know, here's a batch here, there's a batch there. You know, when you're up looking for animals, looking for deer and elk right. and everything else. So It's a nice thing to have, you know, those of us that would prefer to hunt all year round. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so that's partly why we took up fishing. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it's a nice thing because it it makes you know the the time between hunting seasons not seem so bad because sure. you, you got really something to look forward to and like I say turkey hunting is just 
it's exciting because of the calling aspect, just yeah. like with hunting elk, yeah. you know, it's just exciting. Your, your oh, blood absolutely. pressure gets up when they start coming, you know, it's like, man, here comes a Tom. And if you see that red head pop up over the edge, you know, you're like, there he is. <laughs> if I just had that two gauge with, yeah, you know, two number gauge. fours, <laughs> I could get that 60 yard shot. No problem. Yeah. Well, I shoot a, if, if you've, any of you ever watched some of our, um, turkey hunting shows one of the things i like to hunt with is i have a marlin 12 gauge bolt action with a 36 inch barrel oh yeah baby and that, <laughs> that thing's a lot of fun to hunt with mostly just for the shock factor for people when they see me bring out the long tom as we call it and uh, um the last uh, episode that we that uh, we produced called double down turkeys which again you can find all that on the hair outdoors youtube channel we called in two in the same spot yeah which was pretty outstanding and that's how hot the birds were yeah they'll get real hot we called in one and he he didn't come in the way that i thought he was going to come he came around kind of to our side and he he came in on my side you know i was trying to film and get my buddy ben a bird (laughs) but there it was you know i'm like oh crap he's right here so i just raised that he had the shotgun sitting on my lap and i just raised it up and it's like 15 yards like boom got got one and then it was like, dang it, you know. So he ran out, grabbed it, and we could still hear this bird gobbling. I'm like, just sit down. Let's just try. What the heck, you know? Sure. Like three minutes later, make a few more yelps, and here he comes the way I expected the first bird to come in, right up over the front, and he got one too. So it was just amazing. You know? It's a yeah. super cool scene. you got to go check it out. Yeah, it's pretty too. cool. But um, So maybe a couple other things I was going to mention is uh, – I like a diaphragm call, but I use a diaphragm call for elk hunting too. You put it in your mouth, your hands are free. Yeah. And that's a nice thing about that. And if you can learn how to use one, in my opinion, that's one of the best ones to have because you can really um, fluctuate the, the sound, the how sounds. loud, sure. how soft. Sure. Yep. If you can learn to to use that really well that's a good but it's one. it's tough to learn diaphragm it's a tough, calls tough, but i've been using yeah. my whole life just for for elk hunting and then the other thing is a, a box call and box calls are nice because they're pretty easy to use yep and they're loud well even morons like me can use them they, yeah. well, you so, use them or you just use your your mouth i i, I actually use both because i i yeah. i've used diaphragm calls for certain things you know during elk season also you open the show with a pretty good call i i know well, well he does know, all the time I, yeah yeah that and crows yeah. don't do it <laughs> <laughs> but uh what about an owl you want an owl? no i don't want that either. okay i saw some ground owls in uh florida <laughs> i've never seen those little tiny ground owls yeah Have you seen those things? yeah Pretty like, cool. Yeah, it was anyway, very cool. Back to turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I got some video. Squirrel. Hey, I'm on my medication. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Give him a pill. Yeah, I know. So the box calls work really well. A slate call, I would say, you know, another thing to have. It's kind of, it's a good idea to have them all, actually. I carry Well, you get, the, carry you get different. It's like anything different else. Sounds. You get different sounds. Yeah. And, and one, one thing that I did learn is that using using a box call and a diaphragm together yes you get those two two different distinct sounds and you know it sounds like more birds more you know something really kind of winds them up yeah the nice thing about like i say the diaphragm calls you you can be hands-free if you need to make a little sound make something stop or whatever you know you can do that a slate call is nice for something that's in real close because you can make little purrs and putts real easy with those. They're yeah. super easy to use. 
you can kind of set them in your lap and you can use them and then just let them go you know and, and grab your shotgun that's fine and then the box calls are great for locating i like those yes. in the morning because you can make a lot of noise and uh we gave away a, a box call at our at the show in portland where um, was i before play how come before i didn't get play. one yeah the four is pretty neat because it has four different kinds of wood and, and it'll switch around and that gives you an option to make a bunch of different calls you didn't put in <laughs> what he you, said wood. I didn't put in you either. could have you you guys could have put in for the drawing i thought i'd get a free entry or something because i took care of it oh <laughs> I, yeah <laughs> I, I, and, I, and, and what did i get even, nothing i didn't even get a barbecue sauce sample oh, oh my god <laughs> Here we go. Uh, worry, I found another barbecue place right around the corner. Oh, sure. I'm Real sure you I, did. Hey, I, I saw him giving some to the uh, homeless people down underneath. This. <laughs> yeah, that's why they won't leave. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so that. Yeah, the foreplay call. The foreplay call, and it works really well. It has four different woods. Yeah, it, it sounded good. Yeah. It's pretty neat the way it flips around so you can get to the wood on the other side. And, and we gave one of those away at the show, which is pretty cool. Custom engraved. The Northwest Outdoorsman version. Great. And you just, to find those, you just Google foreplay. Yeah. Yep. They're actually made in Pennsylvania. Just um, a guy who's a woodworker, who's a fantastic woodworker, who's been working with um, an individual who developed the call itself, and he, and he's running the business. A really nice man. You just find him online. Yeah. Pretty cool marketing, too. Clever marketing. It is. The foreplay. You'll have to go check it out to get the clever mark. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you have any more questions for either of these two about turkey hunting, because I'm not going to help you out at all, uh, just reach out to the <laughs> WAO podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That's probably going to do it for us this week. Um, we will definitely be back next week with another episode. That's our last hiatus, I think. Um, but until then, we will talk to you later. Bye.